This is the HBC Fighterverse podcast. Our mission as a church is to know Jesus Christ and to make him known. I believe that we see God most clearly in his word, and this means that knowing and rightly applying scripture is the best way to both get to know the Lord and to teach others about him. Thanks for pressing play and listening in. I'm glad you're here. I'm Keith Meyer, and I'll be serving as scripture interpreter and applier today. So our fighter verse for this week is from Philippians 2, 5 through 7. And I'm going to read the fighter verse and then walk through a series of applications using a question and answer format. So uh, turn in your Bible if you can get to it. Um, looking at a, um, a paper copy counts uh, or a digital copy. Um, of course, you can't do this if you're driving or walking or doing something else that uh, requires that you are unable to hold a book. And so um, you're looking at your Bible. The fighter verse says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. So Paul is writing to the Philippians, um, and he's uh, telling them that he's been in prison and that he's thankful and that the gospel's going forth and being preached, uh, even though he's in prison. So he views his uh, current struggle as a, uh, an opportunity to, to praise the Lord and to be thankful for the fact that God is still working. And as he starts to get to the meat of what's going on in, in, in his reason for writing, we're going to learn later on that, that there are people in the church who are fighting and, uh, and they need to be at peace with one another. But what he does is he sets up a standard in verse 27 where he says, uh, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I'm with you or whether I'm absent, I'm kind of summarizing verse 27 here. He says, I want to hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, that you're unified, that you're of one mind, so that there's agreement and you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel um, and not shrinking back because of your opponents. Um, and so he says uh, that that it's possible that they could suffer and um, that that there are, they could be in a similar conflict as, as him. So then in verse uh, one, he says, he sets up this this series of, of questions where he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any encouragement from love, if there's any participation in the spirit or any affection or any sympathy, if, if you've received any of those things in Christ, that's verse one of chapter two, he says, complete my joy, like make me proud, fulfill my mission as an apostle to you by being of the same mind by having the same love, by being in full accord and of one mind. So he's pushing for, for unity of purpose and, and mission here among them. Uh, don't do anything, like don't be motivated by selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Uh, and specifically what he wants them to do is not to look at their own interests, but look to the interests of others as well. So this is not just being self-centered here. And that's what puts us on the uh, the, the doorstep of verses 5 through 7, where, where Paul says, I want you to have this mind in your 
mind. I want you to, to, to think these things, the verses one through four things, because uh, this is yours in Christ Jesus who modeled this. This is the way that Jesus lived. Uh, and so it, there's a connection to, um, to his earthly life and the way that he thought and the way that he acted. And it's something that we as believers ought to embrace as well. So that's the context of, of what's being said there. Now, there's maybe one or two theological difficulties that come up in the interpretation of this verse. I'm just going to move my Bible out of my way here and grab my notes. Um, one of them uh, is this this idea, well, the, they're all associated with the idea that Jesus somehow lets go of his divinity and power and uh, prerogatives as God, and somehow he empties himself and becomes less. Um, notice that the, uh, the the passage, verses 5 through 7, says that he was in the form of God. This doesn't mean that Jesus is less than God. If you exist in the form of God, you are God. That's like that's just the way it is. He was God. Um, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That word there is like, uh, the Greek word is harpagmon, which means to hold on to, right? A football if you're in the Super Bowl, is something to be grasped. You jump on that thing and you hold on to it and do not let it go, right? You, um, when, when, when we watch football in a crowd, there's always that the gasp when uh, somebody uh, makes contact with the ball and it looks like they may have possession, right? It's, it's going to be a turnover and that would be bad or it's going to be an interception and that would be great or they're in the end zone and they're going to, you know, they just they, they grab the ball with their fingertips and can they hold on to it? Like, that's the most essential thing. Um, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto. So what did he do? It says that he emptied himself. Now, sometimes people teach that this means that he, uh, he emptied himself of power or he, you know, somehow became human and left his divinity behind. That's, that's not what happened. What he does is he empties himself by taking on another identity. He was in the form of God, so fully divine. He's always been God from eternity past until eternity future. He will always be God. But he empties himself. He lays aside his divine prerogatives by taking the form of a servant. So he adds humanity to himself. Um, he, he, um, his humanity has a beginning and will last into all eternity. And with his humanity, when he enters the world, uh, he takes on the role of a servant. He doesn't lose anything, but he adds the obligation to serve to himself. So don't let that trouble you. Don't let you don't don't let that make you think that somehow he's less divine or less powerful um, while he's on earth in human form, right? As a, as a human being, he obeys the spirit and the father. He follows the father's plan. He reacts to the impulses of the spirit and lives the way that we're called to live as believers. So uh, some applications here. Um, hey, maybe you have uh, come up with some of your own. You know, you've, you've looked through the, uh, the scriptures and you've thought, um, hey, I, I've, I've got some applications from here. And maybe that's that maybe you've done that. So that's awesome. Um, I'd love for you to throw them on Facebook. You can tweet at me. You can send me a private message, whatever. Just share your applications with me. I would love to uh, in the Friday roundup to uh, to have some things to interact with, you know, and uh, and to share. It'll be exciting to to interpret scripture together and to apply it to our lives. So uh, what kind of sin can I avoid based on on having this passage? What does it tell me? Um, what does it tell me to avoid? One, 
I, I believe that in, in, my, in my mind, I agree with this, but many times my actions reflect the fact that I crave equality with God as something to obtain and not let go of. Um, so often I find it's just my natural impulse to take the seat uh, and, and to desire to be served, you know, to want people to orbit around me, right? They say uh, of someone, you know, who does he think he is? He's not the center of the universe. He's not God's gift to humanity. That's true. Jesus is God's gift to humanity. Uh, and I am not, but many times functionally, I think I am. And, and then this scripture calls us to avoid that sin. Um, there's a promise here, though, right? Um, the, the, the promise that we can claim is that the mind of Christ is ours in Christ Jesus, right? This, this mind that's described in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, that looks not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others, uh, the promise is that the mind is mine, right? Um, it says, it says, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so we don't have to worry like, Hey, maybe I can never get out of being self-centered and, and that servant position. No, we've been given this possession. So that's a promise to claim, um, an attitude that we can embrace, uh, is to, uh, regularly push back on our own need or desire to be served. Um, people around us don't exist to serve us. And so maybe there needs to be an attitude shift there where it's, um, if this person would just change, then everything would be better. I think it's C.S. Lewis who, who wrote the, um, an, uh, an essay where he was talking about the problem with X, where X represents somebody else in your life. And, and it, and the, the main idea is just, uh, if X would just change this or that about themselves, then everything in my life would be better. And Lewis says, there's only one person in the entire universe who can think that way about every other person, and that's God himself. If everybody would just change, everything would be better. Uh, avoid that way of thinking, right? And instead, um, Embrace the fact that being in the truth means that we're not better than others. That uh, those who are leaders exist to serve. Um, for myself, being pastor, being dad, being husband, being man does not mean that, that those, those identities, that power or that uh, attainment of place means that others exist to serve me. And in fact, I should serve. Embrace the attitude that says, uh, where are the opportunities for service? And am I serving? That doesn't mean that you can never be served and that you can never receive any service because certainly others should embrace this command as well. Um, and I think we find um, relief from the idea that, that we're to just pour ourselves out in service to others and never take any time for self-care or me time. We, we see the, um, the, the remedy to that in verse 4 where it says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You have interests and you ought to protect yourself. Um, but it ought not to be um, just that, that I focus on my own interests to the detriment of others. Um, is there a command to obey here? Sure, right? It's right there. Have this mind, right? Cultivate it, receive it, live in it, imitate Christ, imitate his pattern and, and way of behavior. Don't count 
uh, status as a Christian or attainment in life, whether it's, like I just said, in my identities, um, pastor, husband, father, um, Christian, um, don't, don't take those identities and use them as a, an excuse not to serve others and not to be interested in, 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 in helping others. An example to follow, uh, the Lord Jesus is the example, right? Of all people who had the opportunity to command that everyone serve him, that everyone uh, surround him and, and support his every need and every desire. If there was ever a person who could do that, it was Jesus. And yet that's not the way that he lived. He was in the form of God and he lived as one who served, as one who was humble. And so we ought to follow his example. A prayer to pray. We should pray like this. Lord, help me to let go of being the center of my universe, right? What is the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, right? Change the way that we think about things. Lord, change my thoughts. Lord, uh, help me to to root up the self-centeredness that might live in my soul and then help me to live that way with my strength, Lord. Help me to put it into action. Uh, help me to take the form of a servant. Those are good prayers. An error to avoid. Uh, I think we've, we may have covered some of this already. Uh, power and higher place are better, right? When you become the boss, when you're rich, when you're in charge, that's the best place to be, right? That's what we're taught in our culture. Um, higher office, higher place, attainment, it erases our need to be humble and our need to serve others. In fact, others should serve us, right? That's the way that kings and queens and rulers and presidents and senators and whoever, that's the way that they live, right? No, that's not the way that the Son of God lived. And so we ought to live the way that he lived, avoid that error. A truth to believe. Um, Jesus said, that the greatest among you will be your servant. That's Matthew 23, 11. He also said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Part of um, the, the amazing appeal of who Jesus is, and I think this has been part of his universal appeal to people, is his tremendous humility. Sure, he, he, he will talk about himself, and he will make uh, tremendous claims throughout uh, his his earthly ministry. Um, but but there is a constant um, humility and care and tenderness about the way that he lives that I think so many people find attractive about him. And the reverse of that, when when we see people who are arrogant and brash and who demand service and attention. That's what we find repulsive. Another truth to believe, be believed from here, I believe, is that nobody likes an arrogant jerk. Nobody. We see them. Sometimes we're fooled by people for a while, but sooner or later, when the character emerges, it just it we we detest it. Finally, uh, something for which to praise God. I believe that if we look at Acts chapter seventeen. Um, where we, we read 
Uh, this is Paul. He's speaking, and he says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed every, anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Did you see that? Uh, God does not require service. In fact, he gives service. He gives to mankind life and breath and everything. God is one who serves. Jesus is the perfect reflection of the character of the Father. Uh, the Spirit lives within us as believers and, and, and gives us the ability to access this mind. And the, the, the blessing and amazing thing about that is, that is that God is incredibly humble. We ought to praise God for that. We ought to praise him that, that he sent Jesus and Jesus took the form of a servant and demonstrated the character that we ought to live to us. And we also ought to praise God for the fact that we can live this out in our own lives because his actions, his character is humble and we ought to live like he lived. Well, there we go. Those are my implications and applications from uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Uh, feel free to leave a comment on Facebook or on Twitter or shoot me an email. I'll be back on Friday with any feedback and any additional things that I come up with in the meantime. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Baptist Church Fighterverse podcast. You can learn more about Harvest Baptist Church at harvestbc.com and you can join our worship live stream Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Baptist Church Fighterverse podcast. Feel free to comment. I already said that. <laughs>